بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد Alhamdulillah. So we will start with Surah Al-Isra, where we left off yesterday. Surah Al-Isra, and uh, also known as Surah Bani Israel. The beginning ayat, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Subhan al-ladhi asra bi'abdihi laylam min al-masjid al-haram min al-masjid al-aqsa." All praise into Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Glorified is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who took His slave Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the nightly journey from the Masjid al-Haram to the Masjid al-Aqsa, Masjid al-Haram in Mecca to Masjid al-Aqsa in, in, in Jerusalem. Ayah number one. الذي باركنا حوله that Masjid Aqsa that we have put barakah and blessing in the surrounding environment. لنريه من آياتنا so that we could show him some of our signs. إنه هو السميع البصير verily Allah is the one who is all seeing all hearing. Over here Allah subhanahu wa taala speaks about one of the greatest miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that is well known. There are many detailed narrations about this incident. Um, which was a, a phenomenal incident, a phenomenal miracle from many perspectives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, Asra, the first part is, it's the, uh, two things, Laylatul Isra wal Mi'raj, the night journey and the ascension to the heavens. The Isra portion is from Masjid Haram to Masjid Aqsa, and the Mi'raj is from Masjid Aqsa up to Sidratul Muntaha towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, past the Arsh, by the Arsh. So now, Asra already means to travel in the night. But over here, Allah Ta'ala says, Subhanallah, Asra, Mi'abdihi, Laylan. So, why is the word Laylan added? This is to indicate that it was a portion of the night. The entire journey not only occurred in the night, but not the full night, a portion of the night. Nabi went to sleep and slept for a couple hours before the Isra began in the Mi'raj. Then he went on the journey. Isra and Mi'raj and came all the way back and it was still the night time. Asra. Bi'abdihi is indicating the fact that despite how high he had reached, he is still a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Na'udhu billah, we will not fall into the trap of the Christians by considering him to be God or part God or son of God or any other denomination of God. So he is a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another indication here is this was the pinnacle of glory that he received in his life. And he got that by being a true slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning the greatest achievement for a human being, potential achievement and status a person could ever reach is by becoming a slave of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have used another term to identify Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To indicate that, you know, he is not, Allah, he is not God or divine. He could have said, Subhanallah, asra bi nabihi or bi rasulihi, but he said bi abdihi. And another indication here, third indication, is the fact that this was the whole abd, not just asra bihi took him on a journey, and that is a virtual journey in a dream. But rather, bi-abdihi indicates that it was bi-ruhi wal-jasad, with his soul and his body. And if it was in a dream, then 
there's nothing miraculous about that. Everyone can have dreams uh, that are more fanciful, more imaginary, as there are different jokes about the dreams of first sky, seventh sky. And um, you know, you can have, you can go to all the heavens. Like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he had the Mi'raj, he went to the first sky, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. So one of our teachers a long time ago, he, was, he mentioned a joke that there was a big pot of food that they had discovered, some three people, and then they said that, oh, they all wanted to eat it, take it. They said, no, let's just take a nap now. Just go to sleep and let's see a competition. Who, whoever has the best dream, he'll take the whole food. <laughs> uh, so, so when they woke up, the first person said that, you know, uh, I had a dream that I was flying and I went up the whole skies and I went to the first sky and I saw this and I went to the second sky and then I went to the third sky and then I went to the fourth sky I didn't just go to the Makkah and the Kaaba I went to the Beit al-Mamur the Kaaba of the angels and I made tawaf there with the angels so he said very nice dream second one said you know what I actually had a dream I went to the first sky second sky third sky fourth sky but then after that I went to the fifth sky and sixth sky and seventh sky I went all the way to the arts so he's had a dream he's just making it up Obviously, he's going beyond fourth. The first one was foolish to stop at four, so he went into he went all the way to seventh. <laughs> then the third one, it was his turn. He said, "You know, I also had a dream, strange dream. What happened?" He said, "In my dream, a masked man came with a sword and he came up to me, and he said that get up and you better eat this whole pot." <laughs> then I said, "No, no, no. We have an agreement." <laughs> We have an agreement that we are supposed to wait till whoever has the best dream. I started calling out for you. One of you was in the fourth sky, one was in the seventh sky. <laughs> so there was, couldn't find anyone. One was in, doing tawaf in the fourth sky, one was enjoying the seventh sky. So I cried out, cried out for help, but then he was going to kill me. If you were all three together, we could have beaten three to one, but it was one against one. So then unfortunately I had to clean the pot <laughs> myself, regretfully. <laughs> So, so this is dreams you can say whatever you want to say. The reality is that this was biruhi wal jasad with the body and the soul of Rasulullah And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says لِنُرِيَهُ min ayatina To show him some of our signs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed him a lot of signs. And uh, that's why I said there are many detailed uh, hadith about this. We have like a whole one hour program Layatul Mi'raj talking about the hadith of Mi'raj. Allah Akbar. One, one interesting point about this is that um, when Abu Jahal, he heard this from Rasulullah directly, uh, he rejected it and he said, this is impossible, this is a lie. But then he was very excited because he said, this is one such incident which for the very first time when I, I may be able to approach Abu Bakr and tell him the story and I'm excited to see Hopefully there will be some sign of doubt or hesitation or apprehension on his face when he hears that Nabi Wasallam has made this claim. And I will be savoring that moment to see the doubt in him. Because the fact that he had such unflinching uh, belief and strong yaqeen in Rasulullah would be annoying Abu Jahal. So he ran to Abu Bakr and told him, you know what? This is what your friend is saying now. Get this. That in the night he went to, he, he, the, the Burak came where he was by the Hatim Rasulullah was sleeping. 
the other or by his uh, his uh, aunt's house and from there Jibreel Al-Sam said we got to go he sat on the Burak he went all the way to Baitul Maqdis over there there's another detailed narration where one of the doors the the priest was trying to close it for the Masjid Aqsa at night when he locks up the whole campus and he was not able to close it he was stuck this narration comes when Rasulullah sent the letters to, to the different kings and he sent a letter to Hiraqal, the Eastern Roman Empire, the uh, emperor, the Qaisar of Rome. And when he saw the letter, he wanted to do investigation about Rasulullah so he sent out a message, who is here from the Quraysh? There was a tribe of Abu Sufyan. Uh, not tribe, but uh, uh, the caravan of Abu Sufyan. We covered this in detail over several weeks on the Bukhari Dars. So there's a lot of questions. We're not going to go there. But uh, when he came, one part that we did not cover in the Bukhari Dars is when um, Hiraqal, he was interrogating Abu Sufyan. And he asked him how many questions? Ten questions we covered about Rasulullah Wasallam, And he got all the detailed answers. So at one point he asked him, Does he, is he known to be a liar? So amongst you. So he, he said no. But however he has made such a claim. It comes in additional narration. He made such a claim that it's so hard for us to believe. So there was a, a, a priest there with Hiraqal who said that, oh I have some knowledge about this incident. Because it was a night so and so and I was trying to close the door and the one gate got stuck and I called the engineers, they couldn't close it. Then the next morning I came and I saw the signs that there was a hole made in the rock outside where an animal had stood, uh, stayed and there were some signs that there were some trespassing <laughs> that happened in the night. Then I realized that perhaps Allah had kept the door open, stuck open so that someone was going to come to visit. Obviously this goes without saying that that Allah who can make Rasulullah travel to Baytul Maqdis in a few moments from there to the skies, He doesn't need the door to be left open. Why, does he leave, why did this incident happen? To, as a proof, as a, as a testimony, as an evidence to make it easier for people to accept the truth, right? All of these miracles, like uh, I, I mentioned before that when Nabi Sallallahu was a child with Halima uh, Sa'diyah and uh, he had that open heart surgery, right? When he was with his little sibling, uh, foster siblings, Radai, brother and sister, they were out playing because he was a little boy growing up uh, there and they, they, they ran back to the mother and they were very uh, uh, shocked and they were trembling with fear they said oh mother come come our, our brother Muhammad is in trouble when she came and saw him he was lying on the ground his face was white and pale and he, he was uh, uh, almost unconscious and then you know they, they gave him water and brought him put on through. they woke him up revived him they said what happened they said no uh, some angel came, some, some heavenly figure came, cut open his chest, took out his heart. It was a very tra- traumatic experience for the little kids. And they brought some golden vessel and they washed it and removed some black things and then they put it back in the chest and they closed it and we observed this very strange scene. So we'll, so that, uh, what, what, what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purified the heart of Rasulullah and removed everything. This will happen to the believers when they enter Jannah. Allah will remove all the evil from the, our hearts and the rancor and the hatred that we have before we enter into Jannah. So that, such that Ahlul Jannah, even though they will have different levels, they will not have jealousy. 
Allah Ta'ala says they will not have jealousy because all the potential ill feelings and the, the tazkiyah that we want the, the, the full tazkiyah will happen before entering Jannah so Allah Ta'ala did that for Rasulullah so then the question will come that wow if such a miraculous traumatic experience happened where he had this open heart surgery and all the impurities were washed out Allah is Qadir right why did he even put the impurities in the first place he could have had a pure heart to begin with then you don't need to clean it. Because you're doing such a supernatural cleaning, why not keep it clean to begin with? Why have the dot and remove the dot? Right? Sheikh Sa'id al-Madan Buti in his Fiqh Sirah, the jurisprudence of the prophetic biography, he mentions that, subhanAllah, this is one such example and there are many other miracles that happened from his childhood that are becoming part of the narrative, part of the story about Muhammad wasallam that people are talking about and they're thinking about it and is leading up to at the age of 40 when he has the bi'tha and Rasulullah is granted nubuwah and Jibreel brings the first wahi in revelation iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq and then he goes out and he says qul ya ayuhan nas inni rasulullahi ilaykum jami'ah O mankind I am the messenger of Allah send for all of your guidance then those who want to be fair and those who want to be in, uh, are intelligent they can what? start connecting the dots they say oh this is what happened then. This is why his heart was clean. This is why the Halima Saadiyah's camel was, or you know, started going to the front of the caravan. All the other miracles will start making sense. That these are all leading up to the fact that Rasulullah is the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi will be walking and there's no one desolate valley outside of Makkah. Now if you go outside of Makkah, it's a huge city. Still, just go a little bit outside the city. Absolute. Desolation, no one there. Not a blade of grass. Imagine how limited the population of Makkah was in the young age of Rasulullah. And he's walking and then he hears from the rocks. Then he turns. What's going on? He's not a Rasul yet. And he's a Rasul from the beginning. Allah had decided him to be a Nabi before Adam was created. Before Adam Islam was created, his nubuat was decided by Allah, but the zuhur had not happened. So he's hearing, what, what, and he turns right, left, the stone is speaking to him. SubhanAllah. So these were preparing himself. He was himself getting prepared, and the people were getting prepared. There's so many different cities. Why the people of Medina accepted Islam first? In, in the... In, uh, in the camps of Mina, all the Qabail would come for Hajj. Nabi Sallallahu is going to all the different tribes. Who is going to help me? Who is going to call, answer my call? Now, Abu Lahab is going and throwing dirt on him and saying, don't listen to Hadha Majnoon, this is crazy. Na'udhu Billah. So it could have been different tribes. The Banu Hanifa from, from the Najd area, the Banu Tamim, the Fulan, the you have uh, from Najran, the Christians, the different people, the Christians would not come for Hajj, but the other tribes, they could have been. Banu Mustaliq and Ghatfan and Ghassan. But the reason the Aus and Khazraj from Medina, they accepted Islam is because they were what? Mentally prepared. Why were they mentally prepared? Because the Yehud in Medina used to tell them, oh, there is a final Nabi coming, he's going to come to Medina and Yathrib, he was going to make Hijrah here, the signs are here, we are going to believe in him. And he is going to be our prophet, and with him we are going to defeat you. Right? How ironical is that? But when he came from the Banu Ismail instead of the Banu Israel, they rejected him. So they had heard about the prophet, so they were aware of the concept.
So it was easier for them to accept it. After that, this is the Surah Al-Isra, and it is also known as the Surah Bani Israel. Two names. Bani Israel is because Allah Ta'ala says here, وَقَضَيْنَا إِلَىٰ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ فِي الْكِتَابِ لَتُفْسِدُنَّ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَرَّتَيْنَ Allah had decreed for the Bani Israel that you will be destroyed, decimated, enslaved, killed, plundered, and butchered two times. Then you will be given power again, and you will go back on your ways. So there is a whole story here about the Bani Israel, how Allah Ta'ala granted them kingdom, and Allah Ta'ala granted them prophets. They had the Tawheed. However, they gave that up, started worshipping idols. Allah Ta'ala sent Bukht nasr from uh, Babylon who came and he destroyed the whole thing, burnt it down, Baytul Maqdis, enslaved the population, destroyed them, took them back. 70,000 people he killed, etc. Big uh, genocide, literally, massacre. And beyond a massacre, genocide of the whole nation. Then, then the Holocaust of... Adolf Hitler that happened in World War II was uh, not the first time it happened to the same people. Then after that, uh, when uh, the Majusis from Iran, they took over and conquered Babylon, they released the Yehud from their bondage and sent them back. Then they were okay for a while. Allah Ta'ala speaks about this. This is Bukhti Nasr's army. Then they had a free time, freedom, and they had their own kingdom once again. They had wealth and children, and, but what did they do? They went back on their ways. Then Allah Ta'ala sent a second army. So they have, actually, they're five times in the past, when the Mufassir was speaking about, they speak about five. Babylon, the Egyptian army, the Majusi army. Then at the end, the last one were the, the Romans. In the time of Isa alayhi salam, who took over? The Roman armies came, and Roman uh, who are idol worshippers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us these uh, stories of these nations in the past that we can take a lesson from. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remain steadfast on, on the straight path. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he reminds us about one scene in the Day of Judgment, ayah 13 and 14, that this is a, a, a very scary scene. All of us need to think about it. On the day of judgment, Allah Ta'ala says, We will bring out for him a book. He will see this book spread open in front of him. And when we will be asked, Read your book. So everyone will be asked. Yani I will be asked and you will be asked. Read your book. What's in this book? It's not a story book. It's not fiction, non-fiction, or tale, or whatever. This is, what book is this? Book of A'mal. You yourself can be the best judge where you deserve to go. When, a, when we look in the book, we'll say, Mali kitab. What is this book? What an amazing, strange book. Not a minor thing or a major thing it has left behind. They will find whatever they have done is present in front of them. Whoever does an atom worth of good will see it. Atom worth of shar will see it. Then when we see people who are striving in the dunya and they're, you know, they're making a lot of profit and gain, we'll think, oh, how is that happening? How come the help of Allah is with them? No, that's the system of Allah. He says here, and Surah Bani Israel, Ayah 18, Man kan yuridul ajila, whoever wants the worldly reward 
Liman nurid. For whomsoever we want, whatever amount we want, we will give them. We will give them what they want in the dunya. So if you make effort for the dunya, you will get dunya. Allah says so. Then, ثُمَّ جَعَلْنَا لَهُ جَهَنَّمُ يَصْلَاهَا مَذْمُومًا مَدْحُورًا Then he will be sent straight to the fire of Jahannam which he will enter. وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةِ And whoever intends the آخِرَةِ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا And he makes the effort for it. وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ And has true iman and belief. فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا Allah will accept their, their deeds. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, in ayah 23 he talks about the rights of himself and the rights of the parents. Allah Ta'ala says, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ Together. أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ This is the decision of Allah, decree of Allah, do not worship anyone but Him. وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And be kind in, to your parents. إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا If they reach old age, فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ Never say even uf to them. If there's any other word in the Arabic language that could convey even a lesser level of annoyance, then that word would have been used. Speak to them in a very noble, kind, respectful manner. Be humble in front of them and say, Rabbirhamhuma kama rabbayani sahira. This is ayah 24. This is very well known dua. We should all make for our parents. Oh, our Lord, have mercy upon them the way they raised me when I was young. So, this is a very beautiful dua for parents. Taught to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah ta'ala says, do not be extravagant. There's two words, israf and tabdhir. Israf is when you spend something you're supposed to, but then you cross the limits. And tabdhir is you're spending something where you're never supposed to spend in that thing at all. It's even worse than israf. Right? So, tabdhir, Allah Ta'ala says, innal mubadhirin, those who do such wasteful expenses, kanu ikhwana shayateen. They are the brothers of shaitan. Ayah number 27. Then moving forward, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of the mushrikun. They would have fear of how we are going to raise our kids and limiting the qudrat of Allah when it comes to finances. Allah ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا Do not kill your kids, khashiyata imlaq, because you are afraid how you are going to provide for them. So we should have belief that Allah is the, the raziq. We will provide for them. نَحْنُ رَزَقُهُمْ وَإِيَّاكُمْ then Allah Ta'ala speaks about the sin of zina. The sin of zina, Allah Ta'ala doesn't say don't commit zina in the Quran. He says, Wala taqrabu zina. Do not even come near unto it. This is such an obscene act. So anything that will lead to zina is also haram. Because Allah Ta'ala did not just say don't commit it, but He said don't even come near unto it. Then moving forward, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala speaks about Adam He speaks about different scenes of Iblis that we have covered before. There is a beautiful dua, another beautiful dua that receives less attention perhaps, we are unaware of, we should, because it's ayah number 80. Ayah number 80, Surah Al-Isra. Allah Ta'ala says, وَقُلْ Say, it's a command. رَبِّ أَدْخِلْنِي مُدْخَلَ صِدْقٍ رَبِّ أَدْخِلْنِي مُدْخَلَ صِدْقٍ وَأَخْرِجْنِي مُخْرَدَ صِدْقٍ وَجَعَلْ لِي مِن لَدُنْكَ سُلْطَانًا نَصِيرًا how, what is this meaning of the dua? First of all, what's the story behind it? Qala al-Hasan al-Basri rahmatullahi says that arada al-mushrikuna an yata'amaru ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the mushrikun of Makkah, they made a plan to kill Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa to expel him, to capture him, to tie him up. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with hijrah. Wa'allamahu hadha dua And in this occasion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this dua. 
This is dua to seek the protection of Allah. Min min Makkah. When he's exiting Makkah, till the madkhal of Medina, to enter Medina. So any Muslim should make this dua every time. He's leaving a city or he's planning to enter a city to seek protection. What is the meaning of the dua? Rabbi adkhilni mudkhala sidqin. O Allah, allow me to enter the city in a peaceful manner. In akhrijni mukhrad sidqin, allow me to exit from the city in a peaceful manner. Wajalni min ladunka sultanan nasira. From your side, grant me your special help and your power. So, this is dua that was taught to Rasulullah, you should also benefit from. Allah Ta'ala repeatedly gives the challenge. Another challenge He gives here. I88. All the human beings, all the jinn of the world get together to bring something like this Quran. No one can bring something like it. How can we truly appreciate this? Is if we study the Quran, the balagh of it, the fasaha of it, the depth of it, then we can appreciate the fact why it is inimitable, why this challenge has remained um, till today unanswered by all the enemies of Islam. The different objections they were making against Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam out of denying Allah, uh, just wanting to deny the truth, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "Look, they ask, why is he an angel? Why is he a human being?" Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا مَنْ This is I-94. The only reason they say, if you don't want to believe, when the when Allah sends the Hidayah, they say, بَشَرًا رَسُولًا Why is a human being a, a prophet? Should be an angel. So Allah Ta'ala says, look, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَلَائِكَةٌ يَمْشُونَ مُطْمَئِنِّينَ If the whole world is filled only with angels walking around, in the bazaars, in the markets, everywhere, there's only angels. We'll send an angel as a prophet. But they're human beings here. The primary occupants are human beings. They have angels as secondary occupants. So therefore, the Nabi is also a human being. So subhanAllah, our Nabi was a human being, but he was the best of the human beings. These mushrikeen, I mean, they come up with the craziest things. Some, it's completely obnoxious on one occasion they said when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would be making dua he said Ya Allah Ya Rahman Ya Allah Ya Rahman so they said oh he says believe in one God he's calling two gods uh, so this is a well known ayah but perhaps you, we may not be aware of the story behind it this is Sabah Ibn Nazwal Anna al-Kufara Samiya Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Yad'un Rabbah Ya Allah Ya Rahman Faqalu Ajaban Li Amri Muhammad How strange is he Inna Ya'murana Bi'ibadati Ilahin Wahid He tells us to worship one God He's calling two gods. Like, Ya Laat, Ya Uzza. So they're saying, Ya Allah, Ya Rahman. So this ayat came. What is the ayah? Qul idu Allah, awidu Rahman. Call out unto Allah or call out to Rahman. Ayyam ma tad'u, whichever one you call, it's the same one. Falahu al-asma'u al-husna, he has all the beautiful names. Why are you stopping at two? You could say, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim. Al-Malik al-Quddus, al-Salam, al-Mu'min, al-Wahim, al-Aziz, al-Jabbar, al-Mutakabir, al-Khaliq, all the way. صبر الغفار القاهر الوهاب الرزاق الفتاح العليم القابض الباسط المعيذ المزل سميع البصير الحكم العدل اللطيف الخبير إلى آخره. so أي ما تدعو whichever name you call فلو الأسماء الحسنى he has all the beautiful names and Allah they had a term they knew about Allah but they did not know Rahman they said who is this one with أقيل لهم سجود لرحمن when they said make sujud لرحمن قالوا وما رحمن who is Rahman they said ما رحمن who is this one so Allah Ta'ala says, you don't know who Rahman is, Rahman fasal bihi khabira. If you don't want to know, if you want to know who the Rahman is, ask the one who knows. Who knows him? Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he will identify for you who is Rahman. 
Then the surah ends with the ayah known as Ayatul Izz, the ayat of the Izzat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقُلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدَا وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكُ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذُّلْ وَكَبِّرْهُ تَكْبِيرًا This is the ayah, just like Ayatul Kursi talks about the greatness of Allah, is Ayatul Izz. Then there is Surah Al-Kahf. Now Surah Al-Kahf, we, we did a uh, whole, uh, so many weeks of tafsir on Tuesday nights, Mufti Adimuddin did. There is a story of the youth, there is a story of the gardens, and then there's a story of Musa and Khidr. There's a story of Waisalun uh, and Four major stories that has been covered in detail. On, you can go, <laughs> we can go over. Then I, because I, I'm I'm not going to cover anything much. I just want to cover a few things from Surah Maryam and call it a night for tonight. Inshallah, we'll try to catch up as we missed last night. Surah Maryam is basically starts off with the story. Maryam alayhi salam reminds us about the dua of Zakaria. He called out to Allah and he asked for help. O oh Allah, grant me a child. One in, uh, interesting thing here that I wanted to highlight is the, the love that Ibrahim salam had for his father. He says, Remember the story of Ibrahim salam, how he is addressing his father and he is uh, inviting him to the right path. There was so much love. Uh, Imam Fakhruddin Razi says that in the Arabic language to call uh, one's father, you'll say, Ya Abi. But he added the ta, Ya Abati. And he keeps on saying it. Ya abati la ta'abadi shaitan. Ya abati inni khadza'ani min ilm. Ya abati, ya abati, ya abati, ya abati. Which, the transition of ya abati is, oh my dear father. My, uh, oh my beloved father. And he's trying to invite him towards Tawheed. And this is uh, the um, parallel we see with Luqman alayhi salam. When he is not also saying, ya ibni, oh my son. He's saying, ya bunayya, oh my dear son. In Surah Luqman, the father is advising the son. In Surah Maryam, the son is advising the father. And this is the love between the father and the son for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inviting towards that which is right. And then we see what Qur'an Kitab Musa, Allah Ta'ala says, Remember Musa alayhi salam, no brother has done a greater favor for his brother than Musa alayhi salam did for Harun. Allah Ta'ala says that he asked me for his brother to be a prophet. Allah Ta'ala says, We granted him his brother Harun salam as a Nabi. And a particular attribute of Ismail salam is mentioned. He would have the concern for his family members and invite them to perform salah and give the zakah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed Rasulullah sallallahu you be punctual on your salah and instruct your family members to be punctual as well. And then at the end of Surah Maryam, as we, mashallah, we made a lot of progress, quick. At the end we see Jibreel alayhi salam, Nabi sallallahu alayhi salam loved him so much. And he would enjoy receiving revelation. He would enjoy the experience. So he asked him, it comes in Sahih Bukhari, مَا يَمْنَعُكَ أَن تَزُورَنَا أَكْثَرَ مِمَّا تَزُورَنَا Why don't you visit me more and more, more than what you are visiting me? Please keep on coming. So, what, how, what is he going to say? He, he said, Ya Rasulullah, you, 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 you're making me feel so bad. You want me to come more and more. I wish I can come too. But the ayah was revealed. We cannot come down with any revelation from Allah without the permission of Allah. I do not come down with the revelation. But without the command of your Lord. He knows what's the future, the past, 
And your Lord has not forgotten you. So this is consolation. If you think that there's a little bit of a gap, oh, he forgot about me, he's not sending new revelation, I want to see, have more communication from my Allah. So if you love someone in the dunya and they stop communicating, oh, you forgot me. You forgot me, you got so busy with, with whatever else. Billah. You forgot me. So Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَمَا كَانَ رَبُّكَ نَسِيَةً I will never forget you, O my Habib. Sometimes he will come fast, sometimes he will take some time. But in all circumstances, I have not forgotten you. مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ مَا هُلَى Your Lord is not upset with you, He'll never forget you. And then one very uh, scary ayat is وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Every one of you must pass through the Jahannam. كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا مَقْدِيَةً This is a decision of Allah. Some will pass over, like speed of lightning. On the, some will go slower, some will crawl, some will, and many will in fact fall off. And the akalib are the hooks from Jahannam will catch the people, throw them in. وَإِن مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Every one of you must pass through this. There's a narration, Abdullah ibn Rawaha radiallahu anhu. كَانَ مَرِيضًا He was sick. وَكَانَ وَاضِعًا رَأْسَهُ فِي حِجِرِ مِرَأَتِهِ And he had his head placed in the lap of his wife. He was sick. فَبَكَى And he cried. فَبَكَتِ مِرَأَتُهُ So his wife started crying. قَالَ مَا يُبْكِيكِ He said, why are you crying, my wife? قَالَتْ رَأَيْتُكَ تَبْكِي فَبَكَيْتُ I saw you crying, so I started crying. She's thinking that he's crying from the fever. فَقَالَ لَهَا He said, إِنِّي ذَكَرْتُ قَوْلَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ I just remembered the statement of Allah عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَإِمْ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا Each one of you must pass through the Jahannam. فَلَا أَدْرِي أَأَنْجُوا مِنْهَا أَمْ لَا I do not know, will I be able to cross or will I fall down? So this is why he was crying and he made his wife cry. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the fire of Jahannam. And may Allah Ta'ala protect all our loved ones from the fire of Jahannam. Tomorrow, inshaAllah, we'll start from Surah Taha to catch up. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa